0: Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us. It is July 11th, 2022. So good to have you here. And we're broadcasting from very hot Texas. It's going to be 108 here today. So joining me on this podcast is all the regulars, but we got Jack Nunnery. Jack, so good to have you here, my co-host. Appreciate you, friend. But anyway, so good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. When I mean anywhere, we're making sure we're alive on every available podcast channel available. Now, for whatever reason, the vast majority of our downloads come as a result of Apple Podcasts, subscribers on Apple Podcasts. Some are still subscribed to the Blog Talk Radio. So here's what I'm asking everybody. You're going to be talking about this at the beginning of each program. Be sure to check how you are listening and subscribing to this podcast. I encourage you. To listen, if you have an iPhone, subscribe to the podcast via the Apple podcast app and search for Lickit on Lending. That's the most effective way. So that have you here, however, you listen to it. If you're on an Android device, we are not showing up at the Google Play Store yet, but we will be shortly, as well as all the others. I just checked before we got on the podcast, we're on dozens of various podcast. So if you put in Lickin' on Lending Podcast, you can get to our website. You can get listen to us a host of different ways. The good news is now we're only showing up once we were showing up at least three times. So we're there just once, thanks to our friends at Potasize, who we're now working with. And I got to tell you, Tom Hazard and his wife who own that company, do an amazing job. Their services are over the top. So shout out to Tom Hazard and the team at Potasize for all they've done to just help advance our game. In today's hot topic, we've got Brent Imler, the Director of Sales at Lender Toolkit, and Mike Wittbeck, a CEO of Blueprint. It's very interesting, some of the things that are available out there. So Blueprint approaches automated underwriting. So that is a really good hot topic segment. Most of everyone's listening on a downloaded basis. That'll be the next podcast after this one when you go to the Apple itunes store and download the apple podcast it'll be the second podcast right after this one so uh, if you're listening live you can get it all right now if you want to but most people are listening on a downloaded basis so anyway brent and michael did a great job we pre-recorded it last week and i think you're going to be very pleased with the content of that podcast special thank you goes out to our sponsors. Finastra Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution does a great job with the robust features that help you connect with user-defying groups for processors, underwriters, and they got the open API. Very solid, as well as form-free. Has completed over $3 trillion in loan verifications that helps lenders lower operating costs and we're all looking for a way to go about lowering operating costs, so form-free. Also, Letter Toolkit, which is on our today's podcast. Snapdocs does a great, phenomenal job working backward from a future where every closing is a flawless experience. We're getting more and more flawless with the advent of technology, but there's still a lot of errors that need to be eradicated, and Snapdocs does a great job. And then my absolutely favorite CRM in the world is, a little expert, Glad to have them as a customer and a client and an advertiser, they have a built-in customer journeys that give lenders a starting place for nurturing campaigns. Check them out, as well as Simple Nexus. I've got to tell you, we had Shane Wester on along with Arnia, and they did a great job. That was on June twenty seventh. So listen to that. Also, our regulars. Sponsors are the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative Success Kit, Knowledge Coupe, Mobility MMI, and Modex, and the Mortgage Advisory Tools, as well as DW Consulting, Debbie Weemus, and all she does is helping you with your LinkedIn connection. Finally, I want to say a special thank you to Adam of the NBA, Les Parker, Matt with the Market Update, Alice, Alan, and Jack. And we're excited about today's podcast, so enjoy it. Folks, I'm excited to have Brent Emler and Michael Whitbeck joining us today. And we've got some exciting developments happening in the way of saving costs, improving efficiencies, and I'm excited to get started on it. Brent Emler, good to have you here, friend.
1: Thank you, David. Always a pleasure.
0: Many people know who you are. He's a director of sales at Lender Toolkit. Very excited to have him here joining us. And tell us a little bit about your guest, our co-guest here today, Michael Whitbeck.
1: You know, David, I met Michael last year and then met him in person for the first time at Experience 2022 down in Las Vegas. I've always been just incredibly impressed with not just Michael's knowledge of underwriting, and I think you'll see that sort of play itself out in the interview today, but his passion for underwriting. It's such an important part of our industry and his understanding of technology and being able to leverage it against his mortgage underwriting knowledge to deliver really great solutions. And we're very excited to be working alongside Blueprint and delivering really terrific solutions for the industry. So it's gonna be a great discussion today, David.
0: Very good. I'm excited. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here as a first time guest. It's an
2: honor. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I've been around the industry a few years myself, and I've heard quite a few of your podcasts. And I probably met you guys randomly throughout there, the different trade shows, but I appreciate the time on the show today.
0: Well, I remember seeing you. I do not think we had a chance to visit when we were at Lender Toolkit's event in Las Vegas that just preceded the uh, Experience Conference, Ellie Mays. And so it's so good to see you out there, not only on the racetrack, but also here. But I also found in our earlier call when we were first talking that we have a couple other things. We both are DE underwriters and have a strong running background, but you are a pilot. And I love the fact that we have that in common as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think you're going to know as an underwriter that there's a lot of similarities. I always joke around like, hey, look, underwriting, there's no school for underwriting, right? You can't go to college and get an underwriting degree, but you can get some good background. I always say, look, if they can teach this old dog to fly an airplane and not kill myself, I can teach people how to underwrite and not blow up loans, right? If you follow a system and a process and get the education and the mentoring you need, you're gonna be just fine.
0: That's so good. Michael, tell us a little bit about your background, other than you're a pilot and you're an underwriter, a little bit of your journey
2: to where you're at today. Yes. I lived just outside Detroit, Michigan, a little suburb called Novi. And graduated high school. Wasn't really ready for college. Frankly, I just didn't want to do any more school. Joined the Army. Actually tried to fly back then. After a couple of years, a few combat patches, I got out. And a friend of mine in the Army said, I have a job where I shoot artillery and blow things up. Doesn't really apply to the civilian world very well. And he said, you should get in the mortgage business. So came back up here when I was like 23 back to Michigan, stationed at the 82nd Airborne in North Carolina. And I came back this way, married with a child in tow, got a job at a little company called Rock Financial, which is turned into Quicken Loans, which is going back to Rock Financial. And that started my mortgage career. I was a loan officer for a couple of years. It just wasn't a good fit for my personality. I'll be honest with you. I just had a little bit of fear of no's and I, I just couldn't get over it the first couple of years as a young guy. So I switched to ops, which I had a lot better just Ackerman for. I got my first job in underwriting in 98 with a company called PMI Mortgage Insurance Company.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're one so- of our first sponsors of the podcast.
2: PMI goes way, way back and they are literally our first sponsor, I believe, that we
0: had on the podcast. They reached out to me and said, we love your podcast. Could we be a sponsor? Oh, yeah, so I have an affinity for them and uh, so many great people. Yeah, Ralph Armenta and so many of the folks there. Just really,
2: really good. Yeah, like uh, a teaching system. That's why I really appreciate something I picked up and still continue this day is they didn't just throw you in the pit. They were like, Hey, here's how you do things. Take a class, take a test. So they were always educating. It was fantastic to start to my underwriting career.
0: Yeah, it was a great company. Still, some great people in the industry like yourself. But let's talk about as a 20-year underwriter. What is your definition of a verified approval? We're talking a lot about pre-approvals, mm-hmm. but what is a verified approval, and how is it different than a pre
2: Yeah, this is kind of a marketing thing, right? When you're a consumer, it sounds the same on your side of the fence, you know, pre-qual, verified approval. But as an underwriter, look, I I advocate more to let an underwriter or ops person that is educated in the guidelines and the rules and knows the calculations, let them take a look at the borrower before we put them out there shopping with a prequal letter. I can tell you the political damage you do to your company by passing out bad prequal letters, yeah. you're not gonna make up for it. You can't outdo a bad reputation. And so if you can at all possible, I lean toward verified approvals, not like pre-quals. You know, Using systems like Lender Toolkit or Blueprint which is a systematic way of calculating income. And that's the difference. Instead of just putting your thumb in the air and say, oh yeah, I think you make five grand a month and uh, you said you have a car payment. Good to go, go buy that $300,000 house. Let's do a little more research. Let's make sure that people are walking around with our letter, realtors and other people in the area don't start seeing our name on that letterhead and turn it down flat out. And that's by verifying some more information instead of just kind of taking the borrower's word for it.
0: Yeah, and that gets into an opportunity tell us a little bit about Blueprint. You
2: have a company, Blueprint. Tell us a little bit about that and how this fits. Yeah, so the reason we named the company that is, hey, if you go get a house built, I'm not going to go out there and plumb up your drywall and put plumbing in or anything like that, but we can draw a sketch and, you know, people can fill it in and do the work. You say what you want, we design it. So Blueprint's why we named the company that, we're working on educating and building tools. So the the thing that we're most known for is income expert. It's like TurboTax for the mortgage industry. We took a complicated thing, which is 36 kinds of incomes actually listed in the guidelines. And that doesn't even include things like lottery winnings. What do you do if somebody wins the lottery? There's no guideline about that, but there's things you can do to qualify it. But we took that, we built a software program that uses the same kind of method as TurboTax, ask you some questions, you feed us some data, it will calculate the income it doesn't just average things and give you 16 choices it will actually do all the things that, David, you and I know what to do. Trending analysis, checking for a history, validating you got liquidity on those K-1s. It does all those steps that underwriter does. And then at the end, it prints out how much does your borrower make and gives you the supporting documentation. Just like TurboTax says, here's what you owe the IRS or what you're getting back, and here's all supporting documentation. So we do that in a very clear, easy to read fashion. We do 40,000, 50,000 loans per month on average. It's a little slower right now in the industry, but we're still up in the tens of thousands. Per month and we've been in business almost 10 years. We have large national lenders. We have one of the agencies that uses us, and we have loan officers and brokers and all kinds and auditing companies. So it's a very diverse tool that's easy to use for anybody from a starting loan officer to an experienced process and underwriter. That's good.
0: Hey, Brent, good to have you on the podcast. I love what you and Brett have built there at Lending Toolkit. What a dynamic duel the two of you are. I just love it. So be sure to say hi to Brett for me. We got to get him back on the podcast as well. Brett, as a sales leader who has navigated some market environments like these, (laughs) challenging as they are, what kind of edge do you see that a verified approval is giving sales teams today?
1: Really good question, David. When any market cools for salespeople, we really, as sales leaders, we have to be mindful of the sales team confidence. The top producers, they know what to do, especially the ones that have been through it. They buckle down, they find their angles, they work their database, they hone their processes, but it's those middle and lower producers. They're at a risk of confidence crisis, frankly. They begin to lose trust in their ability and it kind of becomes this cascading effect, right? Where the lack of volume, the lack of opportunity, the lack of confidence creates this cascading effect of negative implication. But the good news is there's something we can do about it, right? And this is what we're really seeing from the lenders that we work with and the surveys that we've put out into the market. Reimagining your underwriting workflow and being able to confidently and quickly deliver lending decisions that gives loan officers a real legitimate edge and it reinvigorates that sales confidence. Yeah. The only other thing I'd say on that David is if you do adopt any of the technology to provide that edge, don't assume the sales teams will know exactly what to do with it. We really invite sales leaders to script it out for them. What are you going to do? What are you going to say to realtors? You've got this edge, you've got this new functionality, this new tool. What are you going to say to realtors? How are you going to pitch that?
0: Yeah. You look at- at some of the biggest lenders out there in the market, I'm thinking of better, I'm thinking of Rocket, you know, Michael's old employer, and became Rocket, as everyone knows, are using the term verified approval, Brent. In your underwriting automation space, which you guys are involved in, you're in that space, great technology that you have. What do you think they're doing differently?
1: Well, I'll reiterate what Michael said a few minutes ago, and that some of it is a marketing tactic. I mean, there's right. caveats, right? In their marketing material, they've got stipulations, got a verified approval letter, which they even got an acronym for. And This was just an article I read that was put out just three days ago. They're very clearly pursuing this concept as a sales tactic, and they do have caveats in there. For example, their verified approval letter program doesn't accommodate self-employed borrowers. But the industry in general is definitely moving to a self-service underwriting model. But again, You know, mortgage is not as cut and dry as, say, you know, getting an auto loan or like that. So we're always going to have underwriters.
0: I think that's a really good point to bring out. A lot of people hear this and they all anticipate, isn't this going to get fairly binary at some point in time where underwriters are not needed? And the answer is clearly no. Underwriters are needed, but it's directing underwriters to the more complicated transactions, where Michael was talking about a little bit earlier ago. I think that's such an important part of it.
1: Well, and it also frees up underwriting resources with sales, right? Finding those gems or finding a program that's more conducive to profitability and things like that, giving underwriters space to get their DE and that type of thing because they're not spending their time on clerical activity. This is a great time for underwriters, the ones that embrace the new paradigm. Really to answer your question specifically, the big box lenders, they're leveraging data against rules engines, sophisticated algorithms, calculation models, and that allows lenders to move underwriting towards the point of sale. So let me give you an example. If you use a service like WorkNumber through AUS and get day one certainty, our lender toolkits AI underwriter can generate a doc expiration date, using the data coming over through our AUS integration and generate that condition so the downstream user is aware, things like that. Alternatively, you can couple our AI with the data generated from Blueprint and then present those to the lender. That's why we're very excited about the technology partnership we have with Blueprint. So I think that's really what they're focused on. And if you think about the industry and the investment in technology, five years ago, it was point of sale yeah. and that was called digital mortgage. Well, point of sale definitely improved the industry, but it didn't solve the most important challenge in the industry. And that's the manufacturing process. And that's where everybody's at right now. Yeah,
0: everyone's focused and driving costs down. Michael, when you're speaking of data, income seems to be the keystone data for this particular idea of a verified approval. I can imagine income considerations like calculation of consistence and accurate trending analysis are essential. Can you provide some color for our listeners? What are some lenders doing wrong in this
2: area? Yeah. As an underwriter, this is not a get rid of underwriting. It's focus them on the loans that need focusing on. We don't need to worry about the guy, the salary with the 32 LTV rate and term refi with an 800 credit score, right? We got to work on the self-employed people. But Jason, you're an underwriter, you know I spent a couple of years as an auditing manager, as part of your under query career, you generally float over to auditing. It's a great teaching tool. When you're looking at two things that every time the under does income analysis, is the data solid and is your calculation method solid? And, you know, if you've got fraudulent pay stubs, it doesn't matter how good your calculations are. And if you've got great pay stubs, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to do the calculations. Right. So that's why Blueprint has taken off like crazy. Some of our customers tell us we have reduced tenfold the number of overall errors in the company because of the four C's, credit, capacity. Capacity is debt and income, mm-hmm. collateral and cash. It's the capacity that gets us. We don't have trouble with bank statements. Appraisals are getting a lot better. That used to be like the number two, you could argue it was number one, but still to this day, you got a borrower that has a job, a side business doing Uber, a couple of rental properties, and spouse works two part-time jobs. Eh, you gotta do a little work, right? And you gotta have sound underwriting practices. You know, that's what our software does. It creates that calculation consistency. So quick story, I got a client down in Florida, great guy. He's on his game, right? Great loan officer. What I loved about him, he was pre-calling somebody over the weekend. He's been a long time client. So he's got my cell phone. He calls me, Hey, I got this problem. And it was somebody that switched jobs or got a promotion or something like that. He did not want to put his approval letter out until he sent it to me, put it in Blueprint. And he said, How come blueprints saying don't use the income? Because we were flagging declining income. It was like 18% down on base pay. That's not normal. You're supposed to make four grand a month. Why is it calculating to the 3,100? There's a problem. Doesn't mean we can't use it. We need to address it before we go getting that pre-qual letter out there or that verified approval is a better way to say it. So he told the borrower the weekend, I'm working on it. I don't want to give you this letter with my name on it saying you're good to your realtor when I don't know. We worked it out. We found out they got a pay raise. They were promoted. This is all legit. We got a VOE instead of just a pay sub from the weekend. Looked at it. I gave him some advice. He put it back in the calculator. Boom. We had a trending analysis that, yeah, it showed an increased income. We wrote, you know, our narration, right? We gave our explanation, put it in there, and they move down with a good, solid approval. I don't want to broad brush this, but this is where sometimes, and I can say this because I was a loan officer for about four years, sometimes the green glasses get you, right? Where you're like, oh, I just want to make sure I get this sale, right? And the problem is if you keep risking that, your aggressiveness to the sale is going to give you a bad reputation. And what we want to do is make sure that we're not sending this borrower a false hope, because I'll tell you what, after many years in business, and you guys can probably say the same thing. When I go to parties, I can't sell a loan, guys. I'm not a loan officer. I couldn't give you a loan if I wanted to. I really don't even know what the rates are. People are like, what's the rates? I'm like, I don't know. You know, look it up. So, But I hear horror story after horror story. Uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, I got this loan. How long take it take you to close? You know, like three months. Okay, look, anybody has been in the industry, it takes you three months to close. Something went wrong, okay? More than likely, it was just you weren't pre-called properly. You weren't sent a verified approval letter. You got this nice letter. You put an offer down. You told your friends, families, co-workers about this new house, and it didn't go through. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to drag your company's name because if I'm that person, I'm not saying my credit was bad, my DTI was bad man, that's stupid lender toolkit lender. I have 800 FICO scores. They wouldn't take my income. How ridiculous, man. Don't go to them. They suck. You know, it's like, that's what happens. Our companies get trashed, not even individual loan officers. So we got to just slow down a little bit and make sure we're not sending people on false hope, basically. That's just a passion of mine. It's a nightmare when loans, especially purchase loans, start cascadingly go bad. It just hurts a lot of families.
0: Yeah, now it hurts families and it hurts our industry. How many borrowers go back to the same lender? Very rare. And it's largely on this point. They had such a bad experience. A lot of it's just because it wasn't pre-qualified. It's how we start everything. You're a pilot, Michael, and it's that checklist. I mean, you own an airplane. You go into the airplane. You're familiar
2: with that airplane. But what's the thing you pull out, regardless of how many hours you've got in that plane? Every time start that airplane, it's only like eight or nine switches. But you go through it. Check the lights. Check this. And like I was telling you earlier when we were talking... I'm flying along one day at a couple thousand feet, wondering why the plane's not going as fast as it should. Nothing dangerous. It's like, hey, I'm doing 110. I should be doing 140. And I look out the wing and there's my flaps extended. I totally missed the cruise checklist just because I was so enjoying the view, probably because I just love flying. It's easy to do, even when you've done it 100, 200 times. I love what you said about the checklist. Like, how many loan officers don't create a checklist of like, once you got the client to say yes, How do you smoothly let them go through? What technology are you using? What's your emails are supposed to say? What's your touch points? When's your communication? Do they have your cell phone? There's a lot of things, even outside of what we're talking about, I feel like they're just shooting from the hip. It's not fun when you're buying a three or $400,000 property, and it feels like the person helping you is shooting from the hip.
0: It's the most important transaction of anyone's yeah. life. That moment, that transaction is the most important one. It's those principles that we can bring to our industry. I'm getting back and getting my private license again, looking forward to getting back up in the sky, and I've realized the importance of that checklist. My CFI, Certified Flight Instructor, is telling me, David, we're going to go through that checklist. You're going to have it memorized, but you mm-hmm. will get out of ever using it. Don't ever get that confident. Brent, let's get over to you. I want to make sure that we talk about the transforming of underwriting. Lenders know they must evolve and it's the right time to do so. But with the market as it is now, there is a lot of fear out there. Palatable fear. Listen to the last major mortgage company that just closed its doors. How are you seeing lenders handle these kind of conflicts, Brent?
1: That's the million-dollar question, David. This is the right time for transformation of your underwriting process. We have a disclosure automation product, which is really terrific. This is a great time to transform that part of your business. You have the space to be able to do that. Again, you know the market is where it's at. So I would say the interesting thing that I've noticed over the last probably four months is the larger the lender, the more inclined they are to make the investment. And I think that tells you something. I think what that tells you is the larger lender is able to look out. They're not just fighting today's fires. They're fighting today's fires. They have those challenges, but they're looking out two, three, four, five years and saying, what does my business look like two years from now? What does my business look like five years from now what their business looks like even right at point of sale in the point of sale System, the borrower can self serve certain borrower combinations in the POS. You press the button, you get your disclosures immediately, you get your approval immediately, and you can go shop with confidence. And being able to see that vision and understand that there are technology vendors like Lender Toolkit with our AI underwriter and disclosure automation, Blueprint with their income automation, that's possible. We can do these things, and they see that vision and they're executing on that vision and moving forward with us collectively. I think the challenge for the middle tier lenders is taking that leap and saying with strong leadership, we're going to make these investments in the technology. And it's more than making the investment in the technology. It's really having a very clear vision and communicating that vision to the field. As we all know, oftentimes these solutions start with sales and rightly so in many respects. Ultimately, we want to drive down the cost of operations, have a more balanced approach there, but really being able to give the loan officer an edge. Early on with the income analysis and the automated conditioning that AI Underwriter provides allows you to have that immediate lift for the sales field, get them reinvigorated, excited about getting out there and making the realtor calls. And then over time, transforming the entire underwriting workflow so that you are eventually able to press the button and get disclosures and approval at the press of a button. Seeing the vision and then executing on the vision, I think, is really how the successful lenders are navigating these waters. You,
0: know, you bring up an important point. It's the cost to originate. We just received the latest data from Q1 of 2022 is that the cost to originate a single loan right now is $10,637,000 up from the previous quarter of 9470 up from the previous quarter of that to 9100 I mean, it just continues to keep climbing. Michael, are we really going to see this truly bring out a cost savings or is this just going to be one of those things where get some other benefit, but it's really not going to bring the cost savings?
2: Now, that's a great thing. I am not a salesperson by trade. I do most of the sales of the company, but I'm not a salesperson. I'm an underwriter. I'm an ops person. I look at it. If you show my company how I can give you a dollar and you can save me three, I have no reason not to do it, right? You know, obviously, unless it degrades quality or something, but pretty much what you were saying earlier, this is the weird thing, right? So, 1997, 98. I'm working at Interfirst, new underwriter. I'm doing AA minus a- programs. You're old school like me and Dave. You know what A minus programs are, right? Yep. They're automated with LP, but you got to do a extra work because they're not the greatest borrowers. I was doing three, four a day. This is when people would slap down a file on my desk with the two hole punch. And I would look through it, with my little thumb thing on and look at pay stubs, make <laughs> notes on it, flip it down, write my conditions, type them in the computer, send it off. And it would all stay in paper form, right? I was doing three or four a day. You know what? Underwriters are doing today. We did a survey last year. Their clients three to four a day. How is that possible, right? Underwriters, like, hey, listen to me. We're not trying to get rid of our job, but here's the stuff you're going to miss. You won't get to look at those flood certs and look for axes all day. You're not going to get to look at your credit report expiration date. You're not going to have to look through for a state disclosure for the thousandth time. That's all you're missing. Like these systems do that grunt work and they let you focus on your risk analysis. I don't want to pay you for math. I want to pay you for risk analysis. Oh that's weird. We're doing a loan for Mike Whitback. He works at Mike's airplanes and he says he's not self-employed. Funny. His address and work address are the same location. (laughs) Weird, right? That's what I want you looking for. Not is two plus equal four. Hey, if you put 2 plus 2 equals 5, I'm going to assume you made a mistake, not that you don't know that. So we need to get more efficient. I'm just going to pick on our industry. Underwriters are one of the most expensive ops people there is, right? I mean, by far, underwriters generally make more than closers, processors, managers. They are expensive. Look, underwriters, we got to do better. We got to get through more files without degrading quality. We need to help out. We need to row the boat here because guess what? When things get slow, we get laid off too, so... That is so interesting. So how are the two of you working together? What's the nature?
0: of Brent invited you, Michael, to come on the podcast. There's something exciting about what you two are doing. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Good yeah, I want to touch on the profitability topic as well, just to kind of stay on that line of discussion. I was recently talking to one of our customers out in Michigan. They do about a thousand loans a month. And I was talking to them about some of the value they get from having an underwriting automation solution. When you think about having the computer versus a person doing the underwriting on things like the credit report, for example, you're going to get a consistent underwrite every mm-hmm. single time because it's being done by the computer. And by the way, David, we just, speaking of man, versus computer we just did a side-by-side comparison for a very large lender down in Texas and the computer with very little training I was shocked by this was almost perfect on pretty straightforward file but obviously it's got to be configured for some of the bond programs and jumbo and things like that but the point is that the computer without much training was almost perfect against the human which was pretty exciting and that's across you know income assets reading aus looking at appraisal fha and all of those things but anyway getting back to the the profitability the lender i was talking to i was talking to the ceo and he said By having an automated underwriting solution in place and having a standard underwrite, it does it the same way every single time, and we know it's accurate. They were able to move from a 13, 14-day average commitment period to a three-day commitment period on delivery Mm -hmm. on the back end. That's real money on the back end. They're saving basis points on the back end because they're using the underwriting solution. So when we're evaluating technology, the emphasis is a lot of times, how is this going to help my salespeople, right? Well, let's look at profitability. How is it going to help the company? And there's a lot of ways we can pick up profitability along the manufacturing line. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that up because you know not only did they save commitment period days, Uh, But they were also able to virtually eliminate their post-closing department because, again, the computer is doing the underwrite. In terms of our relationship with Blueprint, we're very excited. We really view Blueprint as best in breed for income analysis and automation. We're doing a deep technology integration with them. We'll be able to take their guidelines, consume those guidelines, and then automatically condition from that. It's going to be a really terrific lights out solution, and I think the industry is really going to love it.
2: That is encouraging, Michael. Your thoughts on this integration? Yeah, it's the same exact thing, right? It's about efficiency. Since I live outside of Detroit, I use a car analogy because I like how Brent says the manufacturing process. When I train underaries, I use a ten point underring system. I broke down how to go through a file in ten uniform steps, and I always teach them. Follow these steps, you're going to reduce your error rate. When we're building cars in Detroit, we don't just one day start with the frame, the next day start with the hood. They build a car the same way every time. I mean, I think cars are built like six to eight hours from scratch to out the door. But this is because they perfected it. They do the things the same way. They analyze it and continually study a better way to do it. But if you're doing it willy-nilly every time, there's no way you can improve. You haven't stared at the process. You don't have a checklist. You don't have any kind of things. So as an ops manager, you know, and Brent addressed the sales side, I'm with him as an ops manager. My job isn't sit there and put fires all day. My job is to analyze what's happening. How do I put these fires out? How do I stop them from restarting? Mm -hmm. And I used to have underlying managers work for me. I'm like... You keep coming to the same problem. Why does this keep happening? Well, blah, blah, blah. What's your solution? Instead of just people being mad on my phone about loans all the time and me putting the PC touch on it, how do we stop this from happening? Can we add it to a checklist? Can we put a condition in place? Can we put a second review thing in place? Can we add automation? Every time you do this stuff, you get faster locks. You get less people that you need to touch the file. You get them through quicker. I was a loan officer. If I get a short lock, under 30 days, a 15-day lock versus a 30... That saved my customer money. But you were always fearful to do that because 15 days, even in today's world, wow, you can't pull something like that off. That's just where it works. You can't risk that stuff. That's the crazy thing about it.
0: This is exciting information. How can our listeners learn more? Should they be contacting both of you? Brand Michael, how does this work? How can people learn more?
1: The best approach is to send an email to sales at Lendertoolkit.com. And then from there, Michael and I will have a joint conversation with the lender and talk through our respective solutions. So that's sales at Lendertoolkit.com. We'll reach right out and schedule a time for Michael and I to have a comprehensive conversation. And we're happy to meet with lenders and just talk underwriting and efficiency, profitability, sales, whatever the topic du jour would be.
0: That sounds good. Good. Michael, we're putting your website in our show notes
2: here. People can go there, but for those that are listening, want to write it down, what's your website? It's www.getblueprint.io. gtblueprin dot I-O. The dot I-O is a tech thing. You know, ones and zeros are on and off on computers. So <laughs> the tech guys love the io. Yeah. I kind of want a com, but you know what? We are a tech environment. It's one of the newer domains. Generally, if you email, that's what messes you up. But, Yeah, getblueprint.io and just like Brent said if you go on there our contacts on there but really i'm going to point you toward leonard toolkit because the unified solution we're building together is probably more what we're talking about here now we have a great solution obviously but if you're kind of looking for the overall i would definitely look at the combined solution versus i jokingly say like i'm an engine builder If you want a car i don't sell cars i build dang good engines and leonard toolkit builds a heck of a good car but we got our cool engine going inside of it. So we want to take advantage of that. (laughs) Yeah, appropriate coming from Detroit. That's perfect, Michael. Yeah, you got to play with the Detroit market. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much
0: for joining us on the podcast today. Great information. I encourage our listeners to reach out. Share this, listeners, with your ops people. The chief operating officer, head of underwriting. This is the kind of podcast that can make such a difference for you. Are you going to go out with one of those flimsy pre-qualifications? Are you going to go out with a verified approval? I encourage you to do the last. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Brent, Michael, appreciate you both being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks, David. That. that was a really interesting amount of information given in that podcast. And I encourage, again, everyone listening to this, share this. Tom Hughes said he joined the podcast just to listen, although he listens to the podcast all the time, which I'm grateful for. So anyway, folks, we're going to say thank you for taking time to listen in, share this podcast with others. We appreciate you very much, and hope you have a great rest of your week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra. Form Free, Lender Toolkit, SnapDocs, Total Expert, Simple Nexus, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative Success Kit, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI Modex, Mortgage Advisory Tools, and DW Consulting. So much. We have in the way of just tremendous sponsors and tremendous products. Check them all out. Go to our website, look at Unlending, and look at the sponsorship page. Appreciate you all. Have a great week and look forward to having you back here next week. By all ways, listen to last week's podcast that Jack and I did together. Also, listen to the other podcast. Just recorded one of the David Stevens that you're going to really enjoy listening to. We also released last week one with Ron Vainberg. Lots of content going up on our website encourage you to listen to it, and be sure to listen to it on iTunes if you have an iPhone, and then search it elsewhere. We'll be up on the Google Play Store very soon, but we're also, if you Google Lickin' on Lending, you'll find us all over many, many, many of the podcast platforms out there. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week, everybody. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. See you